Welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Samuel Timothy. And I'm Taylor Rowe. Uh, This is another installment of our Best in Class series where we dive into and evaluate uh, the characteristics of best in class organizations from a marketing and sales perspective. Uh, And so this week we're talking about their technology stack, uh, what that looks like at a best in class organization, uh, what you can learn uh, from these best in class organizations in order to make your company and organization and marketing department a a leader in your industry. So please give us a like, subscribe to the podcast. Let's dive right in. Hi, Taylor. We are back with another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. We are continuing our series on the best-in-class companies. We've been talking about the different uh, characteristics and um, uh, components of what makes a best-in-class companies. Today, we're going to be talking about tech stack and uh, reporting and KPIs. Absolutely. Welcome back, everybody. And we're excited to, to continue this series. Um, it's been been fun for us, and uh, it's a great exercise to uh you know, look at all of our clients and, and look at our business as well and uh, kind of reflect and, and uh, try to improve and, and become a best-in-class organization. And so, uh, as you mentioned, Samuel, we're going to start with uh, tech stack today. So, obviously, uh, you know, best-in-class organizations are leveraging technology uh, and leveraging technology to make their team more efficient and gain insights and uh, make them more agile. And so we want to talk about uh, what their technology stacks look like uh, and how you can implement them into your organization. So uh, the first thing I would say, again, we're, we're looking at this through the lens and scope of the marketing department. Uh, again, this is kind of a, a, a two-part episode. If you listened to last week's episode, we started talking about um, you know, marketing strategies, uh, team structure, uh, and so now we're talking about tech stack related to the marketing department. So the first thing that I would say about tech stack is that best in class organizations run their marketing strategies uh, to reach their audience uh, and to you know best uh, influence their customers throughout the buyer's journey. Uh, they don't build their marketing strategy around the tech stack or around the Uh, capabilities or lack of capabilities uh, that their tech stack possesses. So, um, you know, a quick example would be, you know, following a a playbook, if you will, given by a a tech stack or a marketing automation system. Uh, We've talked a lot about, let's say, gated content in the past, right? So just because the way that our our technology solution measures uh, and, you know, allows us to execute campaigns, right? They say, well, we have a landing page and we have a CTA and you have a form and you have a gated piece of content and we have automatic delivery of that form. And then we mark the lead as an MQL uh, and then you can nurture to that prospect just because that technology and that functionality exists uh, in that sort of a, a, you know, old school B2B, you know, marketing uh, ebook playbook um, doesn't mean that that's the best way to market to your company. So best in class companies look at what's the most effective and efficient way to get in front of our audience and then use that technology to aid and inform the marketing. But that is not their marketing strategy. The technology itself is not their marketing strategy. They use the technology uh, to best execute their marketing strategy. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a a great point. A lot of times I think they're, uh, you know, like you said, the playbook might be like, oh, we do email marketing and okay, this tool just allows you to do email marketing and they just do email blast, but not necessarily thinking like, hey, are we properly segmenting our contacts? Are we sending the relevant information to our prospects? 
uh, and is it timely? And are we just doing you know one size fits all message and uh, frequency to touch these prospects? So, trying to uh, work within the technology limitations and uh, what is what they've been taught by whoever else uh, taught the marketing frameworks, and they're just following that and not necessarily putting the customer at the center of everything that they're doing and just leveraging the technology to just empower what they're doing. Right. Yeah, and you know, attribution is a, a huge uh, feature of a lot of these marketing automation tools and, and technologies, and we've seen a lot of discussions recently around uh, you know dark social and um, you know offline channels and how people actually convert and consume information. Uh, and ultimately, it's going back to our roots uh, as marketers in terms of like self reported attribution, right? And so mm-hmm. that's another use case where you know best in class companies are looking at. Uh, how they're reporting attribution and leveraging tech stack logically and again uh, really asking their customers right so rather than reporting on the default uh, conversion paths and default uh, reporting and attribution tools that are you know native into the the tech stack um, you know they're thinking outside the box or maybe just thinking more simply and and adding things like a self-reported attribution and then leveraging the tools and technologies that they have available to compare and contrast those two reports and then make informed decisions around where their customers are actually coming from and which marketing channels are really influencing that conversion path. Yeah. So definitely that, you know, like technology is not the strategy. Uh, the strategy is to, to really be uh, tailoring your content and marketing to reach your buyer persona, your ideal customer profile, and then technology is just an enabler. Absolutely. So the next thing that I would say that the best-in-class companies are doing uh, better than their competition uh, is integrating these tools, right? So uh, the MarTech landscape is is ever expanding and and you know becoming more and more complex by the day, which which ultimately ultimately means it's becoming more disconnected as well. So best-in-class organizations understand uh, again that we're not just buying tools to drive the strategy; we're buying tools to enable our people to inform our people uh, and to ultimately become more efficient uh, with our marketing strategies. Uh, And that really means that these tools need to be integrated and connected. Uh, Our CRM, our marketing automation system, our website, customer service, um, you know, if we have an ERP system that we need to integrate into, the more uh, what we, you know, refer to as full funnel analytics, uh, the more comprehensive view that we have as a marketing department, the better we can ultimately market to our organization. And that comes down to having integrated systems. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes it might even be a requirement when we talked about the technology being uh, an enabler, and not the strategy. But sometimes there is an opportunity there for a rip and replace because if you have legacy systems that are running in your organization, you need to ask yourself the question, well, is this actually enabling us to do our job better or is it actually hindering us, right? Is it providing us the intelligence and insight that we need to make informed decisions or it's actually keeping us in the dark? And we see this, you know, we can talk about a lot of horror stories and we'll share some of those in the time ahead but in terms of you know being able to have t- tools connect does mean that these have to be some of the best in class tools as well right so if you're going to become the best in class companies you don't want to be going you know cheap on products when you buy you want to make sure that you're buying tools that actually is going to help you to make the connections between tools uh, internal operating tools for your operations your sales tools and marketing tools they all need to be sp- uh, speaking to each other uh, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have to do any sort of manual upkeep uh, to keep that data clean. Sure. 
Yeah, and you have to look at scalability, right, in, in the future of your, your marketing department. Um, you know, the best-in-class organizations are always thinking, you know, two, three steps ahead rather than, uh, you know, purchasing a piece of software or, like you said, point solution for individual tactics or campaigns they're trying to run uh, based on the size of company or organization or strategies they're implementing today because then you can't become pigeonholed into um, you know that technology, like you said, and if you from day one think about the scalability and uh, how we're going to grow and expand and what our marketing software should look like in the future, that's going to be a great start. And then also you want to, um, you know, you want to purchase technologies that are also forward thinking, right? And you want mm-hmm. to continue to to push the the envelope. You know, when you look at, um, you know, as you mentioned, a best in class organization, they're partnering with other best in class tools and technologies and partners and vendors and those type of things. So you want the same out of your marketing technology. You want that marketing technology also to be a a leader in the space because um, they're going to be adding, you know, you want them to be adding new features and functionality as as things expand and grow. So um, I think one other point we would make based on that is that best in class organizations are always uh, questioning their, their tech stack and pushing the boundaries and testing new tools and um, you know, almost have an internal kind of R&D uh, mindset uh, when it comes to their tech stack, uh, their marketing strategies, their campaigns. Um, obviously, you know, recently there's been a, a lot of, you know, talk about chat GPT and, and AI. Uh, so I think those are examples of ways that, you know, organizations, even if you don't, you know, it's not part of your marketing strategy today or it's not a, you know, a critical piece it may be tomorrow, right? So it may be next year. So you, you might want to always be, you know, learning and, and testing these different tools and, and have some budget set aside for that type of, uh, you know, research and strategy development. Yeah, one thing I would add too is like, you know, uh, I know we talked a lot about the mindset of investing class companies, you know, the companies that actually are um, investing into technology, they also need to value time more than money because oftentimes we've seen companies that are wasting time on manual import export you know taking data from marketing tools and importing it into email tools and then uh, they just don't have the right data in multiple places and they're wasting time they don't understand the time it takes to actually do all those manual work uh, for from an efficiency standpoint your lost revenue and lost opportunity uh, you could just probably solve those things with a little bit of integration or investing into a tool that actually has some of those features built built in. Um, you know, we've we've helped a lot of companies with adapting software, and we've seen how much struggle they have trying to get the data out of their right. legacy tools, trying to get into their uh, to the new platform that they're buying. So, time, efficiency, value those things, right? When you're investing in technology, integration definitely is a, is a priority. But you also don't want to be you know trying to save a couple of bucks by making your employees do some manual task. Sure. Yeah. And I think that comes down to, again, understanding the the parameters that, that impact um, that cost, right? And how you're measuring that cost. I mean, the, the really understanding the total cost of ownership of these, these tools, like you said, how much, you know, custom integration work, development work, administrative work uh, is required. And then ultimately, you know, what percentage of your, your, you know, your fixed costs in terms of your overhead is going towards, like you said, manual, you know, menial tasks that uh, could, you know, otherwise be automated, right? And we see that one a lot, where um, you know we'll we'll manage this internally, or we'll we'll do this process manually because we don't have budget to, you know, spend in the short term to automate this process. Yet, you know, we're going to spend, you know, fifty percent of our our time in terms of our our labor 
doing this manual process that that could be automated. And yeah, it doesn't necessarily uh, add any additional increase, like incremental cost to you, but the opportunity cost, uh, like you said, over the long term is is much greater. So. Uh, really understanding that is is what you know companies are doing, and that's how you're making you know decisions that lead you to become that best in class. So, uh, when it comes to the tech stack, Sam, uh, you know what components uh, would you say make up a, a best in class organization, or what com- components uh, does that technology need to enable uh, in order for it to be considered a, a best in class tech stack? Yeah, I think the number one thing to consider when you're uh, uh, you know, assessing the technology to integrate or implement in your organization is the flexibility. Uh, what I mean by that is, um, you know, you, well, we've seen stories of where companies have to rely on a department, like a technology department or IT department for a marketing function to execute something, uh, and it doesn't allow the flexibility that the marketing team needs. That's a big uh, no-no when it comes to assessing whether or not that technology is the right fit for your organization. So you want technology that enables you to execute at a much higher pace, and you want technology that's not going to have you depend on other departments or other functions to actually uh, do your job. So flexibility is probably one of the things that I would say is a number one thing you want to keep in mind when you're implementing or buying and uh, setting up a tech stack. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we've seen so many times where uh, marketing departments are you know, not to be dramatic, but <laughs> held hostage by their IT team, right? And, and every single, you know, small change to, you know, one pixel on the website has to be a ticket that runs through IT department, which, you know, of course, the IT department has other priorities that they're working on and other things that they should be doing to move the business forward, as well as, you know, maintain and keep the lights on for the organization. So updating the website should not really fall under the IT's, the IT company's purview, uh, and that comes down to, like you said, uh, the ability for you know speed to, to execution and um, you know the ability to uh, that compounding effect of getting things done faster, testing, iterating, moving, you know, and improving from there. So uh, I agree with that. You know, you don't want to be held hostage. Uh, we you know we talked about scalability. You know, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of times you know software companies. Uh, will have their development team that's building their application, whether it's a mobile app or a, a, a web app. They're the ones that are controlling the website from the beginning, uh, which a lot of times it makes sense because you know marketing is not a big driver of growth for some of these SaaS companies in in the initial phase, and really the front end of the website is just you know homepage and a couple of overview pages, and it doesn't need a lot of modifications because the sales process is happening through referrals and you know connections that that ultimately spawned the the initial growth of the business, and then you get to a point where you know you you don't want to build the the business based on uh, those unscalable activities, you want to build the business based on, you know, marketing, right? And so when you go to try to improve the website and make j- a change, changes and adjustments and, uh, you know, actually implement, you know, content marketing and SEO and uh, create, you know, webinars and educational content for, you know, middle of the funnel or, you know, existing customers and, you know, support information, like anything you try to do, you have to go back to that same uh, you know, organization or department that's building the the framework for the application, you know, that's not really a great process, right? And so that's where we see a lot of issues, uh, you know, a lot of security, you know, issues, concerns, um, you know, updating code uh, ultimately updates the you know, application. And there's so many issues that you want that to be separate. You want the marketing team to have that flexibility and the ability to uh, make changes on the website without impacting 
uh, any other, you know, having any other implications on your product. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this, like you said, probably the SaaS companies are probably the ones we've seen the most, where the website is definitely owned by the tech team, and they're very concerned about any sort of marketing uh, changes that you want to make to the site, whether it be content changes or implementing some sort of a new feature or function on the site that they're all get all angsty about the security concerns, which at the end of the day, it actually hinders your ability to execute fast and test and iterate and, and do whatever needed to be done. Um, so I think, you know, separate the website from your web app. So your marketing team has full access to the marketing side of the website and can create content, launch pages, you know, do different sort of landing pages or other things and implement other tech technology that needs to be behind the scene running to, to make the marketing function happen. The other extreme is also where the IT team controls the, the website and they see the website as part of the IT function and not as a marketing function. We've seen that and it's every time we've had website conversation or marketing conversations with the team and they bring the IT department and oftentimes I, where is this hosted and and uh, do we have control and who has access and all of those things as if website is somehow is going to give access to their customers database or um, you know some social security addresses of people that work at the company or something like that um, both are you know some real extremes but we've seen both sides of that uh, spectrum and had to maneuver a lot of those things and we've seen Companies that took our advice and went along with our recommendations have succeeded, and there are companies that are still kind of held back because of their IT infrastructure controlling their web web property or the um, any changes to the to the product itself. You know, any changes to the website requires the product team that are working on the app having to work on the website delays any changes that need to be done. I mean, of course, if you're a SaaS company, you're going to always focus the product more than your marketing side of the business. So they're always not going to be prioritizing any changes that are requested by the marketing team. Sure. Uh, all right. So the first you know, component we talked about, flexibility. Um, I think the next component that I would say best-in-class organizations have is uh, that visibility, right? Um, you know, best-in-class organizations, their tech stack provides, uh, again, full funnel visibility. Um, it provides visibility into uh, strategies that are working, strategies that are not working, uh, where in the, in the funnel, in the buyer's journey, is there friction, where are things falling off, um, gives them data and insights to make informed decisions around, um, you know, making the proper optimizations, uh, budget allocation, resource allocation, uh, you know, where we can make improvements. So that visibility piece uh, is something that, you know, the tech stack should be, you know, one of the biggest priorities, right? Your tech stack should give you that visibility. Uh, and a lot of times we see companies that are paying for tools that should give visibility, but back to that integration piece, uh, there's huge disconnects in, in gaps, uh, which, you know, basically uh, renders that technology, uh, you know, useless for some of these visibility functions, right? Because, you know, we don't have any visibility into the sales process or it's, you know, our sales team is using a different CRM than our marketing uh, system is connected to. And so once the lead is, you know, converted, you know, it's a, a, an email you know, connection or something like that, an email that goes out to the salesperson. And then we don't know uh, where the opportunity is in the pipeline. Uh, and so as marketers, it's difficult to make informed decisions on uh, front, you know, front end strategies if we don't know how we're influencing the actual sales and actual revenue. So. I would say best-in-class organizations have a tech stack that provides that visibility, and they're constantly looking to improve uh, that clarity uh, and make informed decisions based on that data. 
Yeah, I mean, I can give a real world example. Um, this is a company that we're starting to work with. It's a printing company. They have websites actually driving a consistent flow of inbound leads. They're doing Facebook, uh, Google ads as well as um, uh, content marketing and SEO. So the inbound lead flow is there, but their website is not connected to their CRM. So the the reps have to manually enter all the leads back into their CRM system and then uh, keep a tab of all the inbound leads in the code uh, uh, and the deals that are coming from it. But then the estimating tool is separate, so they have to go to an estimating department to get the estimates. So they're not the reps have to manually uh, attach all these estimates and create additional codes inside uh, uh, the CRM system. So there's like three different disconnected tools and having to do all these things are making the reps inefficient. So because of that, they skip a very valuable step, which is creating deals and codes because they just take the estimates, send it directly via email, and don't waste their time in CRM to add all that data. So when you look at, like you said, getting visibility into a 360-degree view of the customer journey and how much revenue generated or the opportunities from every lead that came in and what channel drove the most amount of uh, sales opportunities and where you got the most amount of revenue from, that information is getting lost because the reps are wasting all of their energy trying to do this you know, record-keeping, and they don't have time for that because they want to rather just get that deal, and they're skipping steps uh, that are very valuable. It's all because it's all disconnected tools, and it's, it's creating a lot of problem. And like you said, the visibility is not there for the leadership to take very strategic decisions on where should they be spending their marketing dollars and how can they empower and enable their sales team to do their job better. Yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And uh, I think the, the third and kind of final component to a, a best-in-class tech stack is is automation. We talk about marketing automation all the time, um, but what are some, some ways that organizations are leveraging automation uh, to you know, improve their processes? Yeah, I would say the number one thing is just segmenting your contacts automatically. So imagine that if you have contacts coming in and if there's a way to, for them to self um, report who they are, uh, whether they're company size or 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 just who they are, as, right? In terms of their name and, and job function, and then automatically segmenting them. And also, you can use third-party tools that can speak to your marketing automation or your CRM system to enhance that person's data, right? Whether they just provide you a corporate email and their name, and then easily you can add their company name, company size, uh, employee uh, headcount, revenue. Uh, industry and any of the other uh, other things. There are third-party tools that are available, Clearbit being one of them, and ZoomInfo has data enhancement features. There's a lot of other data so, uh, providers that can actually easily um, augment or add additional data about each contact that are in your database and then can segment that contact automatically. And we've seen time and time again where people spend a lot of energy doing manual research mm. uh, to find all the information and, and trying to append that. And there's no way human beings can keep up with all the changes that are happening in an organization in terms of what might be going on with you know job changes, people changing jobs or technology changes and all of those things. So automating that part could be just one uh, simple thing you could implement. It does cost money, but it actually does make it uh, more efficient and you will also have more accurate data. That could be something easily be automated in a company. Absolutely. Yeah, I think other ways, you know, best-in-class organizations are leveraging uh, automation is um, – you know, as we talked about automating, you know, menial tasks, uh, as you just mentioned, I think data, data hygiene and, and cleanliness is a, another place where automation makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, whether it's updating field properties, copying field properties, you know, removing, you know, duplications, um, reminding, uh, you know, salespeople or, or marketers to update certain fields or properties that are necessary and required for future segmentation models, as you mentioned. 
Um, so I think that that data hygiene piece, you know, you know, we we always talk about the value of data, and you know, there's there's been people saying, you know, data is more valuable than than oil or taking over the the, the number one spot for the most valuable resource in the world. So uh, we understand a lot of times the value of data, but not a lot of of effort is going into some of these organizations in terms of t keeping that data clean and accurate. Uh, and automation can certainly help with that if, if you leverage properly. Most certainly. I think, you know, the other piece of, of automation, I think it comes down to, you know, efficiency, right? So, um, you know, if, if you, as you mentioned earlier, if you can, if you can automate some of those tasks and things that are being done manually and, and being done over and over and over again, it really comes down to efficiency. So uh, what else, you know, it's not, it's not the automation of the task that's the value. It's what else your team could be doing with their time um, that is really the value. So I think that's something you have to ask, you know, your, your team internally and, and ask yourself uh, is, you know, what would I do? if I had more time, right? What would I prioritize? What would I do next if I had an extra couple of hours in my day and, you know, compound that over a week, compound that over a month, you know, what would you do with an extra day or an extra week every month? Um, and that's, that's the real value. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the ways that it could be done is like surfacing opportunities, right? Like event, you know, I mean, one of the features of a marketing automation platform is the ability to to grade and uh, score and prioritize leads based on where they are in the sales journey and how engaged they are as a buyer uh, any other signals that you can probably collect about them so if there's a way to um, surface those opportunities to a rep that needs to prioritize those leads and follow up or automate some of those follow-ups so that actually can um, that you don't have anybody falling through the cracks um, so I think that automation could also be very efficient and can help on the on the revenue generation side as well. Sure. Um, so throughout this, you know, best in class series, we talked about the the mindset the best in class organizations have when it comes to marketing and sales. We've talked about their, how they develop strategy. We've talked about their tech stack and what that looks like. So I think kind of the natural culmination of all of that is uh, reporting and, and metrics and KPIs. Uh, what are best in class organizations doing? How are they defining success? How are they setting goals? Uh, and how are they reporting on that? Yeah, I think before you even start reporting, the number one thing that they need to, to adapt is some sort of a smart goal setting um, uh, methodology, right? Because I think one of the biggest mistake that we all make is like, we're very aspirational people, right? We're uh, very, you know, we're optimistic about what 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 is possible in in a in a short time period and uh, great expectations on what can be accomplished with uh, technology and automation and uh, paid tools and things of that nature right paid paid channels and things of that nature but before you jump into any sort of measurement you need to have some sort of a smart goal set up right in terms of uh, is it specific is it measurable is it attainable is it realistic and is it time bound right so and realistic is the number one <laughs> number one thing I would highlight because we see people oftentimes you know they have no historical baseline metrics of what was achievable and then they go come up with this new strategy buy a new tool immediately they think they can have a 10x return tomorrow uh, so uh, without having some sort of a smart goal set up, uh, you will probably be, uh, you know, putting a lot of unnecessary, unnecessary pressure on your team uh, and also unrealistic expectation. And you can have some, you know, disappointments along the way if you can meet those expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you need to you need to be realistic with where you are and, and you know, where you want to go and, and what information you need to start measuring in order to make those informed decisions. Right. A lot of organizations that. 
uh, fail, right, um, is because they expect everything to be perfect, you know, the first time, uh, rather than taking the time that it requires to first build the baseline and then understand which variables you need to kind of tweak in order to improve the, the end result, right? So I think, again, that that's the first step is setting those smart goals. And then I think the next thing is really knowing those metrics, knowing their numbers, right? And so whether they're, they're good metrics or bad, just realistically knowing, um, you know, what, what metrics, uh, matter to us as an organization and, you know, really why they matter. Right. And so I think it comes down to, you know, not vanity metrics around, like I said, you know, leads in the sense of MQLs or, uh, you know, SQLs and those type of things. Uh, but they have some sort of way to, you know, both qualitative and quantitative measure the impact uh, of their marketing uh, across all channels. Yeah, I mean, I think what you mentioned is very important because I think um, vanity metrics is what usually marketing team likes to report on, especially uh, or keep people accountable to like, oh, we need this many you know, uh, MQLs every month or we need to see our traffic metrics to be this much or we need this many comments on our social post. All of those things are probably, yeah, in surface level might be important. Um, they could also be a leading indicator of uh, what could actually be happening in the future. Uh, but don't be spending all your energy just looking at the vanity metrics. Uh, that could be a waste of time for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So really what you should be looking at is, um, you know, if you're looking at, you know, net new opportunities, right, and you're looking to determine the uh, overall, uh, you know, efficacy of different marketing channels or, or campaigns, I would look at look at your actual pipeline, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to drive opportunities and ultimately drive revenue. So I would look at truly, you know, marketing sourced opportunities, marketing source pipeline, look at that in comparison as a ratio maybe to your revenue. Um, you know, again, a lot of organizations get stuck in this, uh, you know, the MQL hamster wheel, so to speak of, we generated 100 SQL, you know, MQLs last quarter, we need 150 this quarter and we need 250 the next quarter. And it's just this constant, uh, you know, battle to try to get MQLs really to no avail, right? Because those MQLs are converting at such a, you know, converting to opportunities and sales at such a low ratio. That's why you need such a high number. Um, and then the whole department is, is striving towards this goal of, of generating this MQL metric that, that doesn't really mean much uh, for the organization in terms of actual revenue, right? And so, Really understanding what is driving pipeline is what I would focus on. And then from there, as you mentioned, you can look at the leading indicators towards those. Uh, you know, you can look at things around cost per click, cost of acquisition, cost per lead. Um, but I would look at them in terms of the, the lifetime value of the organization, the percentage of those leads that are turning into opportunities, um, that's the sales cycle or sales velocity. What is our close ratio? What is the average deal size? What kind of ROI are we getting? Look at hard metrics around revenue uh, rather than uh, those vanity metrics around clicks, impressions, and, and leads if leads aren't actual opportunities. So um, that would be the advice I would give if you're trying to, again, leverage your, your data from your tech stack uh, to become a, a best-in-class marketing organization. Yeah. One example I can give is we have clients that are actually very much uh, focused on the number of leads. Um, again, we preach this because we are learning from our own experience and having talking with uh, customers where they have every every quarter they want to increase their number of leads by a certain percentage. Uh, and then if they're not hitting and then there's a lot of pressure from the top, 
Uh, part of the reason is they're supposed to feed their internal sales team with a certain number of leads per rep. And if they don't have the number met, then they're often feeling like, oh, we haven't met our goal because we didn't hit the, 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 the number of leads generated uh, targets. Uh, but the uh, one area where they're struggling to give us feedback on is the number of leads that are actually converting and for which products they're getting the most qualified leads and which of them actually convert into deals. Um, so going back to what you said about the cost per lead or the cost per click, oftentimes if all you're caring about is the number of leads, then you're going to optimize for the most leads cost per lead and you're going to optimize for the leads cost per click and then try to get as many leads as possible. But then you could also be not necessarily investing enough into um, the, the the quality, the products that are actually driving the most amount of revenue or the, the leads that are actually converting at a higher higher, higher rate um, or the terms that are actually probably generating the most amount of sales. There's a lot of other factors that you overlook because of all you're trying to optimize for is the cost per lead and the number of leads generated, right? Uh, so if you're not really assessing where you get the most uh, value for your marketing dollars and which of your leads are actually converting at a higher percentage and at a higher co- average deal size, you could all you know you could always be just optimizing for the wrong number which is the the number of leads or the cost per lead uh, which is a mistake that we've seen marketing team make a, a whole lot of times many times yeah and i think that's a natural segue into our our final you know component of of best in class marketing organizations when it comes to their strategy their tech stack is that best in class marketing organizations have a system in place or or a mechanism for that feedback loop and this is constantly evaluated right so like you mentioned are we doing some sort of a win-loss analysis are we meeting with our salespeople to understand the value and the quality of these leads uh, are we meeting with our customers uh, whether they're you know customers for five years or customers for five days uh, understanding why they choose to work with us right um, why did they choose uh, you know to work with us five years ago why did they continue to stay with us um, you know, what other decisions led, you know, information led to their decision, uh, what was going on in their organization uh, when they decided to look for, you know, our, our solution. Really having a system in place to gather that feedback and then make informed decisions based on that feedback is what separates those best in class organizations from the rest of the field. Uh, and then I think you also have to take that information and take that feedback. Uh, and, you know, almost step away from all of the technology, all from the, the marketing jargon, uh, and just think logically, right? Um, you know, if, if you put yourself in your customer's shoe and, you know, think logically about, well, where would I find this information? How would I, how would I you know, make this purchase decision and, and what would be helpful to me? Um, those are the type of things you want to do. And sometimes it's against, again, conventional wisdom when it comes to, marketing in uh, those individual tactics campaigns pieces of content aren't always uh, that you know showing up in that attribution software right if you created a, a piece of content an educational content a video that you put on YouTube or you put on LinkedIn or something like that and you know maybe it had you know could have five views could have 500 could have you know five million views uh, but it really is just that that one person you know, that one right person that that watched that at the right time, and it helped, you know, have helped them have that aha moment and realize, oh, yeah, this is how this is the process I need to follow. This is the company I need to work with. If that led them to either become interested in your company and just start following your content, if that led them to become a customer immediately, uh, it doesn't really matter. You have to, again, look at the the entire strategy 
um, again, in its entirety uh, for you to to think logically about how we can help influence the buyer's journey, how we can help inform and educate our customer and produce more buyer-ready leads for our sales department rather than, again, those vanity metrics. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, a lot of times I think we're all working in silos. Uh, marketing department is doing their own thing and sales department is doing their own thing. And most of the time we're not even talking to our customers. Um, so I think that definitely is a an important part of a, a, a well-oiled oiled machine. Uh, any sort of best-in-class company should be uh, working in, in unison with the entire marketing and sales team and then also very much having their ear uh, to their customer, whether they decided to work with you or not, you know, chose not to work with you. Uh, you should still know why. You know, why did you lose that deal and how did they even find you in the first place and what could, we, what could, he be, you know, could we have done differently or better to win them right? if, if we had another shot at it? Yeah. So, and it goes back to our, you know, the very first episode in this uh, best in class series uh, about mindset, right? The best in class organizations have a continuous improvement mindset uh, and implementing this type of feedback loop mechanism uh, is, is a part of that, right? If you're, if you're continuously trying to improve, uh, you would ask yourself, well, how do we, how do we improve except for learning from our successes, learning from our failures, uh, and continuing to test and iterate and, and strive towards you know perfection with the understanding that you know perfection is is probably unattainable, uh, but we can do our best to you know be better than everybody else and provide a best in class inbound buying experience for our customers. So uh, hopefully uh, you found some some pieces, some nuggets of information and, and wisdom within this uh, podcast and some things that you can implement into your organization. Um, please tune in next week. We're going to start to dive into best-in-class organizations, sales departments, customer success. Really, we're looking at all revenue-facing departments. Uh, and you know, the, the culmination of all of that is going to be a, an episode based around revenue operations, which ultimately is a very, very hot topic right now. So Please subscribe to the podcast, um, share with a friend, give us a like, comment on you know uh, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you'd like to, to hear in future episodes. Everything helps uh, that you can, any feedback helps us improve the, the, the podcast. It also helps with the algorithms uh, when you subscribe and, and like. So uh, please uh, tune in next week and uh, we'll, we'll be back then. Growth Marketers is brought to you by One IMS, helping you reach new heights through integrated marketing. One world, one web, one IMS.